and dolls in varied displays of déshabille. How easy it would have been for my mother. Indeed, were the tables turned, I would have so responded without hesitation, to point out my childishness. I told you so, may be painless to utter, but that does not diminish the anguish these four words inflict upon a listener already in pain. That my mother held her tongue and gave me only love when I merited chiding demonstrates her empathy. So many times in the decades since I have reminded myself of her innate compassion, and on my best days have striven to match it. At the time, though, I simply sulked, and so my father found me as he strode in to wish me well. Even in the gloom of that overcast morning he looked magnificent, his dress armor polished to a high gleam, and his prince's circlet, excavated from the woolen trunks for its semi-annual outing, shining against his graying curls. He settled on my bedside with a clank or two. "'Tis a great shame you can't join us today." I pouted. "'I could go, if you let me.' "'And have your mother put my head on a stake? Do you have any notion what that would do to my handsome good looks?' I refused to be cheered. He eyed me with a twinkle. "'What if I returned with a dragon?' Through enormous focus I maintained my glower. A wee green one that whistled like a kettle? It could roast chestnuts for you on winter mornings. Despite my best efforts, up crept the corners of my mouth. And warm your chillblains when you're old, I added. Then I'd call out, Where's that blasted dragon of yours? My old toes are freezing. And I'll go and find the dragon, where it's playing with my grandchildren and ask it quite nicely to cob its side and attend to the deeds of his royal highness, the Prince of Bodhead. I giggled. I could not help it. Oh, bosh, you say that to a dragon, and it'll gobble me up as sure as salt salt. And what would that do to your head some good looks? I teased him. Improve them, I'd wager, he answered with a grin. Now, you be good and drink that wretched concoction, and I'll take you up there next week. Just the two of us. Truly? With a picnic? A big one? Absolutely. He, too, kissed my cheeks, and with a last exaggerated bow in my direction, he clattered down the stairs. Wrapping myself in a quilt, I crept to the window. In the courtyard below, Mother frowned as she struggled to fit her own golden princess circlet, for she had little skill at ceremony. With a flourish of trumpets, Uncle Ferdinand appeared at the great entrance to the castle proper, looking every inch the king in his robes of state. Unlike my father, Uncle Ferdinand truly was handsome, tall and lean and solemn. At his side stepped the group's martial escort, Xavier the Elder, a grizzled warrior who had shaved so thoroughly that several nicks still oozed blood. Queen Sophia appeared as well, displaying the precise gestures and expressions expected of a woman of her rank. A quintet of soldiers played a military hymn, and then Mother, Father, Ferdinand, and Xavier strode across the drawbridge through a double phalanx of saluting guards. Father glanced back to smile a last greeting at me as Mother slipped her arm through his and lay her head on his shoulder. His armor must have been cold given the unseasonable chill of the day, but the love between them transcended such trivial discomfort. Seeing them off, the queen stood at attention for exactly the amount of time that a queen should, and then with a cool flick of her gown, turned back toward the castle.
the footman falling in behind her. Alone at last, the quilt about my shoulders, I sighed as I considered all the tasks that awaited me. A wool vest I had begun for father the previous autumn lay half-finished, my efforts immobilized by a plethora of dropped stitches. Clearly it would not serve him this winter. At the rate I was progressing, years could pass before the thing warmed him. My mother had delegated to me the task of transcribing her grandmother's yellowed recipes, the goal being to learn the art of cooking while improving my penmanship. Unfortunately, the assignment always left me famished, rooting through the kitchen pantries like an autumn bear. Hunger was a burden I could not tolerate for even a heartbeat, a truth that my physique amply demonstrated. Simply glancing at the stack of stained and curling recipes sent my stomach to growling. Outside, the master of hounds returned with his pack, the dogs gleeful and wet from a long run and a swim in the great river.